John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Gale Tickup. This is the High Game Podcast. High Game. What do we talk about, John? We talk about guitars and basses. And basses. Sometimes basses. Where are we recording from, John? Beautiful. West Seattle, Washington. Oh, that's great. Do we have a guest with us today, John? We do. Oh, that's cool. We do. We don't do that a lot. We don't. We screw it up when we do that a lot of times. That's what I've found. Or at least once. Yeah. yeah. You know. Whatever, we're going to try it again. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. Try, try what? Try it again? Try it again. You mean try the... No! No! Hey, Jeff. Hi! Hey, we got Jeff Rouse here, Ed. Oh, that's cool. Do you know Jeff Rouse? I do. Jeff works at Thunder Road Guitar in the bass shop. He sold Claire Peterson a bass. Jeff did. A Gibson EB1. Those yep. are very swell basses. Yeah, that's what Jeff said. Does she like it? She does. That's fantastic. Nice. Yeah. Hey, you know what? What? It's dark out. A little bit. We went to Thunder Road after it closed. Yep. I got some pie. I couldn't remember the name of the place, so we just called it the Pie Hole. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's the name of the shop. <laughs> no. I think it's something... It's um, really good pie. It is. You know, like as far as shout-outs go, we probably should know the name of the place, but whatever. Whatever. It's we'll, fucking uh, cherry pie. It's yeah. delicious. Yeah. Good yeah. work. Beverages. Is that uh, the beverages theme? Yeah. yeah. Have you ever played that yeah. thing before? This thing? A bass. The bass? <laughs> John has a high school letter. He was on the bass team. Whoa. Suck on that, Jeff Rouse. Yeah. All right, I'm sucking on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, it's a little bitter. Yeah. yeah. It's a little bitter. <laughs> yep. My wife got us the beverages this week. These are called Wonder Drinks. Okay. The slogan here, taste the goodness. I like tasting the goodness. Cherry and black currant kombucha. Oh, man, I might kombucha. shit my pants. Oh, <laughs> oh that's good. Yeah. You like this medicinal stuff, huh? I'm into the kombuchas. You know what it tastes like to me? The shit you dye your Easter eggs in. That's kind of smell taste in my mouth hole. <laughs> it's good for your digestive system, I heard. This is Portland, Oregon. Shout out to the PDX boys. Keep it weird, baby. Yeah. yeah. Fucking weirdos. <laughs>
You hear that, Ed? I do. I'm yeah. told by Jeff here that this is a bass. This is a Fender Precision Bass. Precision Bass. Why are they called Precision Bass? I don't Jeff, do you know why? No, I have no idea. You know Leo Fender? He invented this? Yep. Mm-hmm. What's Leo up to these days? Oh, Leo's... Uh... <laughs> that was him. very, very direct of you, Jeff. <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> how, how do we lose him? I don't know, he's dead. Yeah. All right. At the time, there was no commercially available solid body bass, so you were playing an upright bass. An upright bass doesn't have actual frets. Yeah. So your intonation is a matter of how well you know you can place your hands on the neck. Yeah. So if you put frets on it, mm-hmm. it takes that guesswork out of it. Mm-hmm. It is more precise. Oh, that guy. Thank God. That yeah. guy. Literally, Leo Fender was the first guy to put frets on a bass. Yes. Wow. It's so crazy that no one had thought of that before fender in 1950 there was always people putting strings on buckets but yeah. not commercially viable no yeah huh when if p bass in 51 came out it was nothing like that bass it was similar but it was not what we're looking at today what, what are we looking at today the classic p bass style with tortoiseshell pickguard rosewood fretboard split coil humbucker tone and volume what year is it that is a 72 it's a sunburst, yep. but it's worn down in all the right places, but yep. also in all the little divots and scratches yep. and holes in it is pieces and nuggets of blue color. What's up with that, Jeff? I worked at Base Northwest, and now I work at the base shop here in West Seattle. One day I got a phone call from a gentleman, and he's like, I'd like to bring some stuff in for consignment. Could you guys sell it? I have this old P base that's in like a bucket and pieces in my garage. Some kid spray painted it. and It was in pieces? Or, the neck was off. Wow. So he brought it in, and we decided, like, we'll just purchase this base from him. It was spray-painted blue. It didn't have the full pickguard on it. But it was cool enough, and we'll, like, put it together and sell it to somebody for cheap. a cheap price, and yeah. they'll have a cool old base for some reason. And So I went over to True Value here in West Seattle. West Seattle's on True Value. True West, Value. Yeah. Great. Um, got the lowest grit sandpaper possible and some paint thinner, and I went in the back with some cardboard and took it apart. And I basically just started dissolving the paint. And after a couple hours, all of a sudden, I'm like, what is that? And if you look on the back of that base, you can see there's a big spot. All I could see was that yellow and a little bit of red. So I spent maybe 15 to 20 hours in the back dissolving that spray paint off. And underneath it was the original finish. Amazing. And um, I could have brought it more and relicked it more. But I think having a little bit of that blue come through is part of the story of that bass guitar. It's great. And what we did when we started researching all the pots and the parts and the pickups and all the, the neck and the numbers, uh-huh. it was all original, other than that pickguard, because there was no pickguard on it. So we did that. But the other crazy thing about this bass is, for a few years, they also offered an A neck. That says precision bass on the neck, but it's actually a jazz neck. Oh. There's very few of those, and they're very sought after. Yeah, it does feel a lot shallower. Yeah, it's a jazz yeah. neck. We put that thing back together, and it just came alive. 80% of all the music that we've heard in our lives generally is tracked on a P bass. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. So there's something, when you find the right one, you can be generally in any kind of band, do whatever you kind of want to do, and a P yep. bass is going to work. It's the tool. Yeah, yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like that song. Exactly. Yeah, I know about that nice. song. The first time I brought it out, I brought a couple of my Mike Lowell's, and I brought that bass. And that bass ended up on most of the record. And I've used it with just a little 115 cab and a little head. 
it's the bass. Wow. The other record that I did was like a much more modern rock record with distortion on it and stuff. It worked for that too. Jeff does a lot of stuff. <laughs> I do a bunch of stuff. Most recent is the Gemini. The Gemini. Though, that's right? my solo stuff. Yeah. yeah. When did that come out? That came out about a year ago. Jeff Rouse, the Gemini Fire. Good work, Jeff. It was 1950 when uh, Don Randall, uh, he's like, hey, Leo, you know, we should make a bass. So he starts uh, doing it. Okay. It came together pretty quick. He put the prototype together in early, mid-1951. First commercial units went out. Okay. Later that year, October. Were they commercially available in 51, or were they just kind of giving them out to like their friends and bass players to make sure they were working? Both. One of the first ones went to a guy, his name, Ed. Yeah. Shifty Henry. <laughs> yeah. You're into that name? Yeah, so Leo gave one of the first P bases to our man Shifty Henry. Sure, why wouldn't he? I don't know why he wouldn't. 1951. Uh-huh. What's Shifty up to? Shifty? Yeah. Oh, no. Shifty's not doing oh, no. a whole lot. We lost him, Jeff. But he wrote a whole bunch of stuff. Okay. This one is called Let Me Go Home, Whiskey. God, I understand this. Yeah. <laughs> Let me go home. Let me walk out that door. Let me go home. Whiskey. Real kind of basic bass lines, right? Well, this is 12 bars. It's it's very much like a a guy would be playing upright. Yeah, very much. It still even kind of sounds like that. Hence the power of a P bass. Yeah. That was recorded by. Amos Milburn. A couple of letters away from Anus, which I think is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. You know how much this thing was when it came out in 1951? $382. Depends. <laughs> come on. It what? came to market at $200.50. Oh. In 1951 dollars. Okay. That is, Ed, $1,931 in 2019. Okay. That's a decent P-Base number. Yeah. The reason I say it depends okay. is because you had the option of buying an amp with it. Oh. oh. You could buy the basement amp. Oh, right. really? Which yeah. no bass players ever play, only guitar players play. Yeah. Wouldn't be long before those were considered like go-to guitar amps. The amp was an extra 200 bucks. People were putting pickups even on uprights and stuff before the P-Bass, right? You know the stand on an upright bass? The pull banger uh, on the bottom. Good cover. <laughs> also called the peg. Oh, sure. Peg, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, peg. Yeah. yeah, so Ampeg built a pickup uh, into that peg. Oh. To amplify your upright bass. Is that how the company got their name? 
Yep. It's crazy. I had See? no idea. Like, we find shit out here. What it's weird. Like That's amazing. It, it is weird. It's good to get one nugget out. That's a you good nugget. Like, I really like their uh, refrigerator base cabs, the 810. Yeah. Most things are a lot of fun to stand in front of. I bet that with a P-Base and about 800 watts. There's no better feeling. Plugging a P-Base into an all-tube base head and a 810 cabinet. I love the way 10-inch speakers react. Yeah. It's meaty. <laughs> you know. No one's ever going to be uh, sponsoring Ed Peterson for anything. You don't know this. You know, well, I got a pretty good feeling. I okay. got a pretty good pulse on right. this thing. Absolutely. Hey, you know when these things came out? 1951. Yeah, they didn't look anything like this. What do you mean? The guitar that they had out at that point, guitar, not bass, was the Telecaster, right? Yeah. Slab body, butterscotch trans only. Okay. Black pickguard, one single coil pickup. Did it have the uh, Tele headstock? The Tele headstock, yeah. What does Sting play? That is what Sting That's plays. That's what he plays. You want to hear what he does with that? Oh, really? I, uh... Did I segue? Oh, okay. I'll be right back. Cool. Yep. Jeff's peeing. This uh, Wonder Drink Cherry. did a wonder yeah. on my bladder. Yep. I think the Wonder Drink is doing yep. Jeff right. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah, the early ones were based on the Telecaster, so Telecaster headstock. Sure. All of that single right. coil, not split humbucker. When you say split humbucker, why is it split like that? Because it wanted to. Okay, that's cool. It created more wines on each pickup. So they made it a little bit bigger for the E and the A string and the D and the G string. So yep. each one had its separate own little little thing right but also god i'm gonna sound like an idiot here okay that's but it eliminated that's, the hum it's bucking the hum we've established that that's a thing it's I, important thing i could tell you an interesting thing about that thing when they first came out with the split coil humbucker mm -hmm. you know what they didn't call it a humbucker they were being crafty the inventor of the humbucker our man seth lover Lovey. Seth Lover, lovey. Uh, turns out the patent on that oh, had geez. not expired. So yeah. in the marketing information, nowhere will you find it saying, hey, it's got a split coil humbucker in it. There's a lot of this podcast, Jeff, where Ed just bitches about corporate No, and as he should, because like, it, it sucks. Yeah. So, 78? Outland to steal more. Yeah. Really? That's his P-Base. Regatta de Blanc was the first album I bought, Jeff. Mine was Sean Cassidy. You're way cooler than me. It's so good. It's good stuff, huh? So good. <laughs> that pickup cover is killing John. I love it. I can't palm mute. I love it. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Yeah. These covers yeah. are the original covers? Absolutely. They were in the bucket with the... They were in the bucket. Wow. That's great. P-bases are parts bases. Yep. People get really nerdy and geeky about numbers yep. and all this stuff. Now it's turned into a whole thing, which is super cool. It makes for great conversation. It makes for great dollars when people want to sell stuff. Yeah. But if you work in a guitar shop... Yeah. And you look at this stuff and you post it. And it doesn't make sense to people that have their little vintage right. guitar buyer's guide. And people yeah. that go on reverb and these things. And they're like, when I was on the forum today and yeah. all this thing and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, that's yeah. kind of how it works. And we like, should also yeah. keep in mind that in those early days, Fender was really good about not only taking instruments out and giving them to musicians mm -hmm. to try out in the field, but they would take anything back and replace it or fix it or the neck was warped, the pot right. needs replacing. Yep. They'd do it so... You bring back this guitar in two years, they put new pots in it. Yeah, the absolutely. Date, there go the date codes. These are things when we talk about resale values and vintage and all this stuff. 
There's other factors that come in that are just crazy. Who knows what the story on this base was, but when it got put back together, it worked exactly like it was supposed to. It sounds amazing. That's fantastic. And um, yeah. the most important thing is to put more story into it now. Yep. You know. Yep. 57 it. 1957. Yeah. Yeah. They switched to the larger headstock. Okay. They switched off the pick guard that it came with, the black one. Okay. Gold guard. Oh, my favorite. Now you got the split coil humbucker in 57. Okay. Colors? Throughout these years, Fender would always do custom colors. They would do the custom automotive colors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Sunburst was kind of the standard. Okay. 59. Okay. That's when they go to this here slab, rosewood fretboard, clay dot inlays. Sure. Went with that there... uh, Fret's board. Yeah, Fret's board. Uh, 66. You know about this? Tell him it. Leo Fender thought he was going to die, and so he wrapped up his affairs and he sold his company. Turns out he had a fucking sinus infection. Dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, in the end. He died of a sinus infection? <laughs> he would walk around the factory being orange. He would take so much beta carotene, he thought it was going to keep him healthy. His skin would turn orange. You know. And everybody was like, don't look at Leo. Just don't talk about it. Don't look him in the eye. He's fucking orange. <laughs> so weird. I did not know this weird stuff. You know, that gold guard didn't last very long. Uh, in 60, then they went to the three-ply pick guards, black, white. You're fucking grinding my gears over here, baby. I'm grinding your gears? I'm confused already, too. <laughs> okay, well, we need a palate cleanser. Need a song? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Is this the one? Are you asking for the hot seat? I don't know. Are you ready, Jeff? I'm in. Okay, hot seat. I'm out. P bass. For sure. Is it Elvis Costello? Sounds like Joy Division. Uh, not the pretend. Wasn't Blondie? No, it wasn't. No, no, it was. Oh, I I can only imagine how many people are listening. To this episode, just so mad, screaming <laughs> at you guys. Who was it? You guys ever heard of the Clash? Oh, Paul Simonon. My cred <laughs> just went out the window. London Calling. You know, one of the best albums of the 20th century. Man, just can we, can we edit this part out? <laughs> I'm not going to play this for any of my friends. Oh, it's so <laughs> good. I'm just joking. That's great. So that was good. great. Yeah, that was lost yeah. in the supermarket. Yeah, he had a white P base with a black guard yep. that he ended up destroying. Oh. Do you know the album cover of uh, Oh, Calling? yeah, where he's totally. That's the bass. Oh, yeah. that bass is the bass in that song? Yes. London Calling was recorded 79, 78 into 79. Wow. He smashed that bass in 79 in New York City, oh. uh, late 79. <laughs> Trying to put the timeline together, I'm thinking, record the album, right? Yeah. Go out, play some shows. The picture gets taken. Yep. Oh, fuck, let's use that on the cover of our upcoming album. Yeah, yeah, totally. And the woman that took the photo, yeah, she didn't want them to use it because uh, she's like, oh, it sucks, it's all out of focus and shit. How do you like playing the hot seat? It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> I'm embarrassed. It's terrible. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> we took the L on that yeah. pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now we're getting into the era that you were wondering about. So how is CBS stinking the joint up? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Our good friends at CBS. Yeah. 68. Okay. The original Tele style design we talked about yeah, yeah, yeah. is reintroduced, oh. and they call it the Telecaster bass. What year did the jazz bass come out? 1960. Yeah. 1960. Okay. So, 68, you can get a Telecaster bass, and it was sold alongside the regular one mm-hmm. until 79. But they have the big humbuckers now, and some people call them mudbuckers. 
What do you got there for that pedal? This is a deluxe big muff for bass. Nice. Yep. yep. It also has a crossover. Yeah. If you're like me and you irresponsibly dial the crossover too far. Yeah. Uh, but that's cool too. Yeah. I'm super into that. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah who's your favorite bass player jeff i was expecting that tonight yeah good one ed is he in the clash no no i mean like like i, like I could kind of go through like phases of my life where yeah. a bass player affected that phase right of my sure life, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, yeah but where it really started to make a difference so I got into junior high. I started to hear Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. And then I'm like, oh my God, on Iron Maiden, you can hear the bass. And then I got into high school and I started to meet the goth girls. Okay. <laughs> so where is this? High, yeah, high this school for you? Puyallup High School. Oh. It's not quite Tacoma. It's far enough from right. Seattle. Like you have to sneak the fuck out to yeah. get to Seattle. You know, I'd start seeing bands like The Cure and Christian yep. Death and Bauhaus. You know, these are bass driven bands, especially yeah. The Cure. Now... I'm coming to Seattle and seeing shows. I see Jane's Addiction. And I see Guns N' Roses on their first tour opening for The Cult. Those are bass-driven songs. But those bass lines are melodic. Now I'm starting to play bass. And I had a girlfriend who loved Duran Duran. Great bass lines. So when you ask me who my favorite bass player, it depends on which part of my growth as a musician I'm going through. I can't really pull out a favorite anything. I can tell you chocolate chip cookies are my favorite cookie. (laughs) Nice. Really? But that's really about it. What about pie? Berries. Sure. Strawberry rhubarb. Sure. Yep. Oh, that's a good Raspberry, yeah. Yeah. cherry pie. Like, that's good. The Gemini album has way more of that 80s kind of influence than sure. I imagined when I put it on. It's so great. There's parts of it that are, oh, I could see Jeff doing this. But then there's other stuff uh-huh. where it's like, man, that's like not what I expected in a really great way. I love Prince. Yeah, just like, as much as I love Judas Priest. Right. Um, when it came to do my record, I just wanted to not have walls and rules. I'm gonna turn on my computer and I'm just gonna kind of go. Yeah. And I didn't have to worry about what the outcome was gonna be. You know, if that makes sense. That does make sense. You want to hear yeah. something? Yeah. You guys know James Jamerson? Oh come on now! Played with one finger, and that one finger could do oh, it all. Yep, he was the bass player from Motown. Played with one finger. He called it the claw. The claw. Okay. This is Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. It's just a shame because in that example, I've chosen the like triumvirate of pain. <laughs> Fuck. Marvin Gaye. Oh. Shot yeah. by his dad. Oh. Tammy Terrell, 24, brain tumor. Oh, no. And James Jamerson. Yeah. Drank himself to death. Oh. 
Jeez, the triumvirate of pain. That's terrible. He played John. one bass his whole life. No one knows where the bass is. He never changed strings. People said they looked at the bass. It was the most disgusting. He never cleaned it. It was stolen. Uh, oh, he, no. He carved into the heel of the neck. Mm-hmm. Funk machine. Yep. Huh. Uh, and nobody knows where this thing is, but I would imagine... If it's ever found, it's headed to like the Smithsonian or something. To me, that would be the most important base of modern music ever. Yeah. I mean, I've been to the Smithsonian. What do they got at the Smithsonian? Any cool shit? Well, there's drawers, white drawers. I mean, it's clean, no dust, like climate controlled, gorgeous. I did get to play Charles Mingus's original stand up. Have you guys ever heard of the Kitty Whiz Kit? Nope. It's this kit you buy. Over the course of weeks, you can teach your cat. To take a dump in the toilet. Okay. Where are we going with this program? <laughs> Invented by Charles Mingus. He was living in an apartment in New York City, like walk up. Uh, That's amazing. And he didn't feel like lugging cat litter up and down the stairs all the time. See, this He's is like, why I'm... people tune in. He thought, I'm going to just teach the cat how to use the toilet. How to take a dump in the That's toilet. That's amazing. You want to hot seat it? We're ready. Do you want a hint? No. This is some classic stuff here. Don't oh, fuck me do. on this one, Jeff. Listen to that bass. Is that Donald Duck Dunn? It is. He's got the bass player. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Knock on wood, right? It's, yes. Yeah. You got it. It's duck done. <laughs> knock on wood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeff. That was Eddie Floyd. Knock on wood. The reason Donald Duck Dunn uh, was playing on that is because he wasn't just the bass player for Booker T and the MGs. He was part of the house band for Stax. Yes, he was. No. Doc left us. Yes, he did. Yeah. So many bass players that came after that just tore those records apart and wanted to learn how to play like that Mm -hmm. and it permeated into as jeff says all facets want to hear a little something oh and it's all p-bass yep i grew up and one of my favorites was elvis costello oh sure uh still is bruce thomas bass player only ever played p-basses this song is called the beat from little bass huh that's pretty good perfect pretty good bass yep we spend so much time talking about guitar Mm -hmm. and bass really is that thing you were saying earlier where like it just gets lost a lot of times but when you hear that it's just like oh my god that's so good yeah it's not only like uh, you're 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 weaving yourself in and out and around the melody of the song but you also need to lock with what right. the drummer's doing. Yeah. So you're trying to listen to all the disparate parts at mm-hmm. once and cement it. And yeah. Glue it all together. It's fucking fun. I'm not good, but I love it. High gain theme song? Oh, sure. few more kind of landmarks. In the 80s, they start fucking around with like active electronics and sure. uh, yeah. stuff like that gold hardware, EQ buttons, high mass bridges, all that kind of stuff. Tell us why they throw the cover over the pickup. Why is that on there? 
to just fuck with you so you can't palm mute. They knew I would be coming along sometime. <laughs> right. Is it on the P bass that they have the like thumb rest? Or is that the jazz that's got uh, the... The P bass started with the thumb rest on the bottom. Right. Which wasn't really for your thumb. I took the top one off of mine. I either rest it right on the edge of the pickguard or right. on the pickup. If it yep. doesn't have a cover over A lot of people were putting foam underneath to mute the strings. They didn't want the strings ringing yeah. out. My P-Bass also came with the covers, and underneath the pickup cover still has the foam. Yep. You could play that tic-tac bass. Yep. Yeah. That Carol Kay was so good at. So they did all that shit. But around 2000, they kind of did a course correction. That's when they came out with the American series P-Basses. Yep. And they were doing the AVRI stuff we've talked right. about. So now, present day, you can get a really great American mm-hmm. P-Bass. Do they have a similar thing like the Fender guitars where people just kind of crap on eras? I just still think, man, I don't care. <laughs> just If you want to play bass, find something that's inspiring and play it. But when yep, it comes right. to yep. a P-Bass, yep. for 200 bucks you can get a decent P-Bass. Have somebody yep. that knows what they're doing, set it up the best they can, yep. and play it. It's going to be a couple hundred bucks. You can buy the Crafting in Japan one for six, seven, eight hundred bucks. They're just as good as an American one. If you need to get put a pickups in it, great. You could still be your lifetime base. You can right. buy a U.S. made one. Now you're talking twelve, fifteen hundred bucks, whatever. Right. Where I start to kind of wonder is the master built stuff. It's a great way to you know one guy is like jacking off on your base and like yeah. doing it right and doing the, these funny colors and all that stuff. And it's great. It's just a P bass. All these songs that you've been playing today are P basses. Yeah. Those could have been played on a made of Mexico bass. That could have been on a Japanese one. It's just a P bass. Right. We talk yeah. about this a lot. At the end of the day, do you like the way it plays? Do you like the way it sounds? Mm-hmm. Do you want to play it? Is something that's going to motivate you to keep going? Literally? Is it super heavy? If the answer to that is no and it's black, mm-hmm. oh yeah. yeah. A P bass works for every gig. Ergonomically, I think the P bass is just kind of perfect. It just feels really good. I've got one to go out on. Okay. Here's a hint. Okay. Did you watch the Oscars? I did. Uh, Okay, then. John Deacon rules. Oh, he got it already. Man. When you think of a P-bass tone, another one bites the dust. Any of these songs, that's P-bass, that's John Deacon. All those songs are on a P-bass every time. Very light touch. I guess Deacon's not into it anymore. He's full-on retired. Retirement seems like a pretty cool gig. Yeah. It seems like a hell of a good gig, you know? That's pretty good. I'm never going to have that. I'm going to be buried with my (laughs) (laughs) P-Base. That's all right. Yeah, unless John and Ed come over and rip it out of your cold, dead hands. We're not above that. Yeah. So that's the look at the venerable P-Base, everybody. You did a great job, John. Did I? Yes. Yeah. Jeff, nice work. Way oh. to pull it out. That Clash thing, you kind of fucked that I up. Did. But I outside of that. Screwed the pooch on the Clash. <laughs> what do you got coming up, Jeff? I play in a band called Bruiser Brody. We're going to play a few nights in Vancouver with Steel Panther. Whoa! Oh, I'm doing three nights at the Commodore Ballroom. I have a uh, recording a few more Gemini songs in three weeks. Nice. Oh. I have a bunch of Gemini stuff in the summer, all the stuff. Kim Byron, Carrie Ockery. Where can people find out more about you? You know, all the social media stuff. Jeff, R-O-U-S-E. Like Mickey Mouse, but with an R. Jeff Rouse on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or the Gemini on all three of those. I'm never going to forget, personally, how Ed fucked up the crash. (laughs) 
So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm yep. embarrassed. Yep. <laughs> so embarrassing. Jeff, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. This is awesome. Thanks yeah. for the drinks and the pie. Yeah. yeah. Find us on the interwebs, wherever you find us on the interwebs. Yeah, the Twitters and the Instagrams and all yep. that. We're like the high gain. Yep. Send us an email at thehighgainpod at gmail.com yeah. if that's your thing. Bitch about Ed. About Ed. I, he loves it. Yeah. He loves oh, it when you I, do that. I, people... People contact me and say, don't tell Ed I said this. Right. Dot, dot, dot. All, all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. it. What are you going to do? Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Bye.